Welcome to the Trinity Grace Church Williamsburg Scripture Reflection Using the Bread Book I'm John and I'll be reading from Matthew 1 So my wife asked me to do this and she, I said yes before I really understood what it was I was actually doing um, Of course she assigned me the, uh, the genealogy with, you know, a hundred unpronounceable names um, So she definitely owes me one, but I'll, I'll give it my best shot um, so like uh, all of these days that we're going to engage with the bread book, we're going to use the um, simple bread acronym, be still, read, encounter, apply, and devotion to sort of lead us through um, a process for engaging with the scripture and ultimately for uh, encountering God. Um, so I'm going to just use that structure um, and read through and walk you through kind of my own reflections on Matthew 1. So we're going to start with be still, just taking a moment of stillness, turning our attention towards God, breathing deeply, rooting ourselves in, in this moment, in this place, in the presence of our God. And just inviting the Holy Spirit to come and meet us. And then we move on to the second section, read. I'm just going to simply read you through Matthew 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham is the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Ibijah, Ibijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram, Jehoram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, Amon the father of Josiah, Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shethiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abahud, Abahud the father of Aliakim, Aliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Matan, Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. 
Thus there were fourteen generations in all, from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile to Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So I think the part of the passage that stuck out to be most actually was the genealogy up front. Um, it's usually the thing I just skip right through, but it's interesting when you read it out loud, you kind of hear this like rhythm to it um, that's only broken up by these like couple of significant moments in Israel's history and by these these women's names. So next we're going to move on to the encounter section where we just kind of like reflect maybe on one portion or, or one verse from the passage. Um, reflect on maybe how God is, is drawing our attention to it. So, so I've kind of been a little bit reminded of hearing other people sort of point this passage out to me and... Um, point out those names and I think the thing that really yeah as I said a minute ago the thing that kind of sticks with me is when the the rhythm sort of breaks uh, and um, amidst all those those men those multiple generations you hear these like five women's names Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba and Mary women who were oppressed they were often treated as property abused sort of so many dark stories and yet they're they're weaved into this genealogy that brings us to Jesus and it makes me think of you know I think back to the beginning of this entire story and God creates man and woman and he creates them equal and then captured in this genealogy of this entire history of injustice an inequality unfolding and yet in these like opening verses in this book where Matthew's inviting us to meet Jesus who's going to redeem all things and restore them to how God intended them to be he weaves these women's names into Jesus's genealogy again you know a genealogy just of men's names another sort of artifact of this like oppressive male-centric culture that Jesus is stepping into and it's like Matthew shows us even in like a kind of 
subversive way um, despite how throughout this history there's been this oppression Jesus comes in and he's gonna he brings restoration he brings order he brings equality and ultimately grace and redemption and he's not scared of the messy parts of the story oppression injustice prostitution infidelity death loss it's all in there but they're not beyond his graceful redemption he's going to restore things to how God intended them to be but he doesn't have to sweep anything under the carpet in doing that so then we have the fourth section apply just taking a moment to reflect on how we might be able to apply sort of what we've been meditating on in our own lives so as I think about sort of how I've been unpacking what I read um, it prompts me to want to daily remember that I am part of this messy story um, and to ask God that he might lead me to to pursuing and praying for justice um, especially against these kinds of inequalities and we see them obviously um, these and, and similar ones in in the world all around us right now um, yeah privilege and inequality and injustice and these sinful histories that you know don't let go of their grip in today's reality um, and I also I think I see inside myself um, I just a desire to see God's grace and redemption I'm reminded that God's present in, in every part of my life whether it's something that I'm a part that I'm proud of or a part that I'm ashamed of um, and so I want to see my life just like this genealogy as a story in which God you're weaving together all the parts um, to make something beautiful and something redemptive so finally we move into the devotion section um, which is basically kind of turning what we've been dwelling on and trying to apply to our lives and, and make turning it into just a simple prayer to God a, a conversation with him so this is my prayer for devotion just as we as we finish this up um, God you are always at work always redeeming always bringing justice always weaving your redemp redemption story in in the midst of of our messy lives you're slowly and patiently moving me towards you towards your intimate embrace God towards your kingdom and ultimately God towards the way things should be towards justice towards fullness of life for all and God you are not afraid to tell all the parts of the story the difficult parts the easy parts beautiful the ugly it all belongs you can make it all belong 
reality, you know, often beautiful and yet often ugly and it's it's the canvas on which you paint God and you reveal yourself and I just pray that you would make something with me with all the parts of me that brings you joy and brings you worship Amen So thanks so much for listening today Um, in closing I just want to pray over you as you listen I pray that you would discover God weaving all the parts of your story together into something beautiful and powerful. I pray that you would meet God not in some ideal, abstract, perfect place, but instead in the midst of the messy place where he actually lives, our everyday reality. And may you, above all, trust in the slow, redemptive work of God. Amen.